Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. We've been working through decluttering your life. How many went home and started organizing and decluttering and, you know, some of you did. This is good. Some people listen. I got some texts from parents that, like, my kid went home and cleaned his room. Like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) So we touched very briefly on some of these things the last time we were together, but um, today we want to focus on why do we care so much about, and then you can fill in the blank, I'm going to hit some things, but really you could probably add three or four or 50 more. Because why are we so concerned about some of the things that we get concerned about? And they read about not worrying, and, and here's what I want to talk to you about. Are we focused on things that don't have eternal value? Or are we focused on things that have eternal value? You know, there's some things in life that you can accumulate that you can't take with you to the next life. And there's some things that we can actually send forward so that we can enjoy them in the next life. Now, this life is but a vapor, to use the biblical term. It's a mist. It's temporary. At best, you're going to get 120 years, give or take a few. Eternity is a little bit longer than this life. How many understand that? Most of us don't have a concept of eternity. That's kind of forever. The real life begins when you leave this one. Now, worry, when I was thinking about this, it's faith in the wrong direction, okay? So last time we were together, or the time before that, you heard me say something to this effect. When your core belief aligns with your words, that what? That becomes your reality and you start living according to that. But many people, their words and their core belief don't agree. And then it creates what I call an incongruency or it creates this problem for you because You're saying the right thing, but your core belief is different, so your reality does not align. Are we doing okay? Did I go into super space? Now, this is what I want you to get. With worry, it's faith in the wrong direction because it's exactly opposite of faith in God. Now, we'll get there to the end of the message when we talk about trusting God more. But see, what happens is too many people focus on too many things that are not in alignment with their core belief, or their core belief is wrong, which creates bigger problems for them. So we have to come to the place where our core beliefs are how we live our life. And our core beliefs have to be based on the Word of God. Any idea that comes into alignment and agreement with your core belief will actually shape the way that you live and it'll form your worldview. We have to come to a place in Christ where we allow His purpose is to come forth in our life, and we have to allow the old man to die and let the new man come alive, okay? Faith believes the best possible outcome. Worry, the worst possible outcome. Faith believes it's going to work out. Worry believes it's going to fail. Faith is believing for a good outcome. Worry believes for a bad outcome or a horrible outcome. There was a guy named Michael de Montaigne, and he lived about three or 400 years ago. And in his writings, he made this statement, my life has been full of terrible misfortunes, most of which never happened. 
Researchers will tell you 85% of the things we worry about never happen anyway. Think about that. How much time have you spent stressed out about something that didn't even happen? Coulda, woulda, shoulda, but it didn't. And you gave it brain power and energy. And it totally wrecked your life for a season until you realized it wasn't going to happen. And then some of you are still looking over your shoulder because you're not convinced that it's still not going to happen. You know, sometimes the weather forecasters, they get, I'm going to say, excited. We're going to get this super storm, and we're going to get 15 feet of snow. And then you get 1.5 centimeters. But when it doesn't quite work out like you think it's going to, how many of you the next day are going, man, I'm still waiting for 15 feet of snow to fall? The storm's kind and gone, but you're still waiting for 15 feet of snow. You're waiting for the other shoe to fall, for the hammer to drop. And then I threw in one of those, they call them an antidote. I found one for Pastor Howie, who was here at the first service, because he likes these. Worry is a futile thing. It's like a rocking chair. It'll keep you occupied, but it won't get you anywhere. Now let's go to the scripture. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word will cheer a person up. In fact, when you go to the 15% of stuff that actually does happen, people find, the 97% of the time, they find that they handled it better than they thought they were going to, and it didn't work out quite as bad as they thought it was going to be. Worry will weigh you down. It'll actually affect your health. And see, we have to declutter our minds from worry. Because as long as worry is present, the faith of God that God wants you to have is not going to be present. Because it's faith and direction towards God and trusting in Him, or faith in worry and all the things that are going to go wrong. Which one do you want to put faith in? Which one is going to be speaking to you today? Here's some of the health benefits of worry. Some of you are awake enough to catch that. <laughs> you want to worry? It's going to affect your health. From blood pressure to migraines and pain, anxiety and all kinds of other problems, such as difficulty swallowing, dizziness, dry mouth, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, inability to concentrate, irritability. See? It's all because you worry. Muscle aches, muscle tension, nausea, nervous energy, rapid breathing, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling and twitching. How many say that can affect your health? Yeah. Simply from worry. Simply from stressing out about stuff that you don't need to be stressing out about. But none of you have ever done any of those things, and none of you have any of these symptoms. So Ecclesiastics 11.10. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy, but remember that youth with a whole life before you is meaningless. I love Ecclesiastics. Everything's meaningless. Life sucks. <laughs> And then he gets to the end and he says, remember your creator while you're young. But he's talking about, hey, if you want to keep your body healthy, stop worrying. It's going to affect your physical health and physical well-being. So we need to stop stressing about this stuff. Which leads me, why do we care so much about? Now I'm going to give you a few of these. You can fill in more of them later. Or even right now, you're already thinking of some. And, and I'm just going to take a sampling of these. But why do we care how much about how we look in relation to others? Does your mood depend upon how you look today? I mean, come on, if you're having a bad hair day, does that wreck your whole day? Listen, I'm still going to posture. A bad hair day is better than a no hair day.
is your self-worth, your self-confidence, is it based on your appearance? Listen, I'm all for being clean and smelling nice. I'm like multiple shower a day type of person. I just don't like to be stinky. I'll go shovel the driveway and take another shower. Okay. It's just me. You don't have to do that. I just like to smell nice. Okay. Someone told me the other day, you have no scent. In other words, you never smell bad. That's good. I don't want to ever smell bad. <laughs> I'm all for being clean, presentable, neat, tidy. We should do this. Okay. This is important. But some people, I mean, every day before they walk out of the house, they get ready like they're going to their wedding or to meet the queen or something. I mean, I heard this one young lady, she would take a shower before bed, then go put on mascara so she could snap a few more of her friends, but God forbid that they see her without mascara on. <laughs> Who sets the standard for what is pretty and beautiful? At the first service, someone told me it was Pastor Michael. For those of you that don't know, that was the guy in the video a little bit earlier that said something about Cobra Kai. <laughs> Who sets the standard for beautiful? Are we made in the image of God and did he make things beautiful? So who are we to judge one another and say you're more beautiful than someone else? Why do we care so much about what others think? Why do we care so much? Why are we so concerned about how we look in relation to other people? How much of your brain power does this take up on a day-in, day-out basis? Probably more than it needs to. What's more important, the eternal things or the temporal things? The Bible even goes so far as to say, you know what, beauty will eventually fade. We all get old. It's not going to last forever. Why are we so concerned about tomorrow? Why are we so concerned? Why do we stress about tomorrow? Job 3 Verse 25, you'll hear this one preached all the time. What I always feared has happened to me and what I dreaded has come true. You know what? This can be paralyzing for people. Because if you're always thinking someone, you know, I find it amazing that Job had this fear and the things that he feared actually happened. My gut read is he meditated on it so much that he created a self-fulfilling prophecy. But none of you have ever done that. Listen, Years ago when I was younger, we were starting to, you know, you're supposed to sock money away for retirement one day. And I'm all for planning, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't plan. But we had our RSP account, and it was starting to grow and multiply, and then 2008 happened. And like most people's, I think my account went in half. <laughs> now, it took me a long time before I was willing to invest in anything that wasn't a secure low interest rate of return. Why? Because I had some fear that I didn't want that to happen again. Even though I've learned since then that probably would be a good time to buy more. And I might have missed out on a whole cycle in the market because of the fear, because it was paralyzing because of, you know, the tragedy of the moment. But see, where's my sufficiency? Is my sufficiency in my RSP fund or is my sufficiency in my God who supplies all my needs according to his riches? See, we have to get this, we have to get this right. We work on God's economy. We don't work on the natural economy. He can work within that. And fear would prevent us from capitalizing on some potential. You know, we're my 
we're more diversified now, but we're, we're going to live by faith, as you should live by faith. Sometimes we stop living for the moment because we're so concerned about tomorrow. Let me ask you this. What has God asked you to do today? What is your assignment? And how many times have you looked at God and said, I'll do it tomorrow? First, let me clean up, God. First, let me do this, God. First, I want to do this, and then I'll do what you want me to do. In a lot of ways, you're missing out on a whole cycle in God's economy because you're putting off till tomorrow what could be done today. You're not utilizing the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you. You're not taking the skills that he's given you and putting them to his purposes. You're not sowing where he's telling you to sow. That's not a good place to be. Too many are focused on what he's going to ask us to do tomorrow, and they miss the whole point of the preparation season. The preparation season is vital to your long-term success, but too many people are focused on tomorrow and they want the shortcut. Look at the culture today. You know, young people, they start dating or courting or whatever they do. But they don't want to wait till they're married to enjoy the benefits of marriage, so they start participating in the benefits of marriage before they get married, and then something blows up in the relationship, and they end up in a mess. We want shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. There's always a price to pay. And see, with character, you have to walk down that road where you develop character. No shortcuts. We want to jump to tomorrow. We want to go through the process. We don't want to work hard and build up slowly. We want the quick fix, the get-rich-quick scheme. But too many people, they circumvent the character development process, and what happens? They blow up or they fizzle out real quick. We don't want to be those people. That, that character development is vital. The preparation should be more valued. And this preparation season is where you learn endurance. That's where you learn confidence in his gifting. And you know what? The best part is, in God's economy, you can start paying some stuff forward so that you can have some eternal rewards. Because I'm going to tell you something. The stuff we accumulate here, you can't take it with you. We want to store up treasures in heaven where people can't take it from you, moths can't eat it, and rust doesn't destroy it. It's quiet in here. It's going to get quieter. Brace yourselves. Why are we so concerned about our children's future? But we're supposed to be concerned. Yeah, I, I, I want my kids to be successful. I want them to have a good life. I want to train them. But people are so concerned about their parents' future that psychologists had to come up with a name for it. They call it futurizing. Not even lying to you. Look it up. <laughs> it's having an unrealistically negative view of what the future holds for your child, and it's a tendency to expect the very worst outcome. Futurizing is what they call a thinking error, and it's very common. I didn't say this. This is like psychology today. What is a thinking error? A thinking error is a faulty pattern of thinking where what you think doesn't match reality, your thoughts are distorted, and with thinking errors, your distortion, your distortion is virtually always negative. In other words, your faulty thinking makes things out worse to be than they really are. Not only does it rob you of the now, so you don't live life in the present, it limits your ability to problem solve on the fly with your children. So here's a good example of that. Your child fails a test, so therefore your child must be a failure, and they're gonna fail for the rest of their life because they failed one test. 
Okay. No, it doesn't make them a failure. They just failed one test. And the truth is, our education system measures this on a scale that is much wider. Because there's lots of kids that don't fit well into our education system, but they're geniuses. But then someone gives them a label and they think they're a failure, but really they were made to be different. Just because we can't measure it doesn't mean that God doesn't measure it and didn't create them with purpose. But too many times the parents focus so much on the future, they lose track of the present. And they miss the moments and they miss the opportunities to train their child and to encourage their child. I was reading one thing and they said, the only thing that's consistent with your children is change. Because as they grow and mature, they're going to change. And sometimes we can't. But this futurizing is very dangerous. Why are you so concerned about your children's future? Why are you so worried about this? Do you trust that God is the God who's their father? Because at the end of the day, they're his kids, not yours. I mean, he gave them to you to raise for a little while, but they're ultimately his. He created them. We helped, but... If you trust God with your child's future, why are we trying to control it? Why are we trying to control their future? See, nowadays, we take our kids to school, so we let teachers teach them about math and science and English and French and history and geography. And we take them to the local athletic association and they teach them about sports and competition and athletics. And we take them to church so that the children's church teachers can teach them about God. But we're missing the point that the parents are the primary teachers in the child's life. We are the number one people that are responsible for teaching them about God, their relationship with Him. We're the number one people responsible for teaching them about sports, for teaching them about math and science and English and French. But it's too easy to let other people do your job. Let's not abdicate our responsibility. Let's do the things that God has called us to do. And you know what? Here's the problem. You can't blame the system when your child doesn't turn out quite like you want them to. But at the end of the day, they're free will moral agents, and sometimes they make decisions that we disagree with. Sometimes they're going to choose a path that you didn't train them to. That's okay. Stay, stay true to it. The Bible says if you train them in the way that's right, they'll come back to it. But do you trust God to let them go walk through some pain? Because sometimes when they're walking through pain, it's really nerve-wracking. But you've got to trust God that he's going to bring them back to the way that's right. Because sometimes they've got to learn some hard lessons before they figure it out. You'll hear me say this again and again. Experience is the harshest teacher. The best teacher is when you learn from other people's mistakes, but experience, you'll learn. You'll just learn the hard way. 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Why are we so concerned about what others have? You know, power is based on control. Status is based on perception. And we assign people status based on our perception, not always based on reality. Does it matter if the guy next to you has a nicer car at the end of life? 
Does it matter if they have a nicer house or more stuff? Just asking. What does it matter in the end? They both leave their car here and someone else gets it. You don't take it with you. And sometimes the people with more stuff stress about it more because they don't want someone to take it from them. People with nothing, I mean, people with nothing, they don't even lock their doors. Why? They got nothing for someone to take. <laughs> they don't care. People that got lots of stuff, they double deadbolt. Why? They don't want someone to take their stuff. They stress about it. 1 Corinthians 3, 13 and 14. But on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. Where is your reward located? Do you want to be rewarded in this life or in the next life? We want rewards in both, don't we? But I'm going to tell you something. If your emphasis is not worrying about the things in this life and your emphasis is on laying up your treasures in heaven, I assure you, you'll enjoy this life a whole lot more. Everything I have is because God gave me my gifts, my talents, and my ability. Everything I have belongs to him. Doesn't say the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything's his. So if someone takes it from me, they're not really taking it from me. They're just transferring it from me to them. It's his. If he's entrusted it to me and someone wants to take it from me, they have to answer to him for that. But that which is entrusted to me, how am I stewarding it? What am I doing with the gift that God has given me? Better question, what are you doing with the gift that God has given you? And don't say, I don't know what my gifts are. God's given everyone a gift. He's created everyone with a purpose. He's created everyone with value. You have more value than you know. But the question is, are you working alongside us in the kingdom or are you just taking up space? Breathing air. Eating food. Shallow existence. God has created you for more than that. He doesn't want you to just exist. He wants you to be and live and move and enjoy life with him. Part of that is serving others. Part of that is being connected to his purposes. Part of that is using your gifts to be a blessing to others. Interesting. I talked early about needing some people to set up for encounter. How many of you said, I think I want to do that? A few of you. Others said, someone else will do it. Others said, that's not my gift. How hard is it? Was that hard? See, what we value, we spend our time on. What's important to you is what you're going to spend time on. Some of you spend so much time worrying. Do you know that there's people today that never even leave their houses? Because they're afraid to go outside. Look, when you walk out the door, there's risk. When you get in a car or a bus or a plane, there's risk. It could happen, but does that stop us from living? As Christians, we win, because even if we die, we live. <laughs> How bad is it? I get to go to heaven. My wife has insurance on me. She'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
at the end of the day, she could even find another husband. No one like me, but she can find another one. <laughs> we can't live life afraid. We were made to go and conquer and to overcome and to take the gospel of the kingdom, the message of hope to others. Why are you so concerned what people think? Why are you so afraid to share your faith with people? What's the worst that can happen? They stop talking to you or write you out of the inheritance? Oh my goodness. What's the worst that can happen when you share faith with someone? They tell you to go away. I want to put my faith in the other direction. What's the best that can happen? Maybe a life will get transformed. Maybe someone will come out of darkness into light. Maybe someone will get their life turned around. They'll find some hope in this lost and messed up world that we live in. I don't know. What about you? Why are we so, why are we so concerned about what people think when we share our faith with them? Some of you are afraid to bow your head and say a prayer in public over your meal. Doesn't Jesus say, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will deny you before the Father? Yeah. You know, I watch the devoutness of some of these people and some of these other false religions. And man, they're willing to die for what they believe. And you know what? They don't really care if they inconvenience you when they practice their faith. But man, do we go out of our way to make sure no one gets offended about Christianity? My Bible tells me that the cross is an offense to those that are perishing. If you're living a Christian life, it's going to be an offense to people. Top line, bottom line. But there's hope in it, and there's life in it. And if you really want peace, the only way you're going to find peace is if you know the Prince of Peace. It all comes down to trust. Do you really believe that God's word is truth? Do we demonstrate faith in that direction? Do we let go of the self-imposed limitations? I don't want to see hands, but think about this. How many of you this week in the last seven days have said something like this? I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not able. I can't. Someone else will do it. I always fail. I'm too weak. I'm too apathetic. I'm too poor. I'm not beautiful enough. How are we doing? Hopefully none of you said any of those things to yourself. But see, if the inner narrative, if your inner belief system is any of that, you're never going to be an overcomer. you got to change the inner narrative. And here's the key. God gave you the ability to choose which road you want to go down. He gave you the choice. You are the one who has control whether you're going to get into true faith or whether you're going to stay in worry and be anxious. You decide that. You decide that every day. And what you have to do is you have to align your inner narrative with the biblical truth. And when those two come into alignment, that'll form your belief system, which will determine the outcome of your life. But there's a lot of people doing this. Year in, year out. This is what they do. Boy, this looks really familiar. Boy, I feel like I'm walking around in circles. And then there's the odd one that just does this. <laughs> I see Gord over here. He used to do these uh, halo parties at his house, and you could always tell when you had a new guy. And I wasn't quite a new guy, but I was a new guy. Because you'd see them on the screen, and they'd have their gun like this. Halo's a first-person shooter, and they'd be doing this. And then there's Quinlan, who was at first service, who would, like, jump up across the room and scope you from across the map and headshot you. 
See, people do this in life. They wander around in circles and they wonder why they're not getting anywhere. Philippians 4 says this, 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Worry, prayer. Which is it going to be? You're going to worry, you're going to pray. The Bible says don't worry, but pray. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I think we need to declutter our life from worry and anxiety today. We need to get rid of this stuff. Don't let it stay in your mind another moment. Make a decision today before you walk out the door that you're going to leave the worry at the foot of the cross and you're not going to allow it to clutter up your mind. You're going to align yourself in the inner narrative with truth from God's word. Mary, can you come and share now, please? So Pastor RJ and I have been chatting and talking and the, all this week about this message. And one of the things that God was really speaking to me about, um, that we tend to spend a lot of time with worrying behind. And that is Regret. And worrying about the things that have passed, but we keep going back and we keep rehearsing and rehearsing and regretting and spending a lot of time there. And regret will keep you in a place of absolute torment. It will paralyze you. And that's worry. And you're focusing and you're meditating on all the wrong things. Because if you know how to worry, actually, you already know how to meditate. But what are you meditating on? See, when we, let's change our language. Because it's very important that, see, if we're going to look back at our life and we regret so many things and that fills us with torment, there's no peace in any of that. It will rob you of peace. And in fact, you're taking away what God has done. Because when you stand in a place where you believe as a Christian that God is working everything out for my good, that he's taking all things and he has a good plan and a good future for me. That when you, let's change our language and reflect on what the past has been, that we can look back and all we see instead of regret is the goodness of God. We see his goodness. We see him working in every circumstance and in everything. And when we look back, we see, look what the Lord has done. And he said that he wouldn't leave me. He wouldn't forsake me, that he would bring me to this place. And church, we have to understand that if the Lord is a way maker, that he's actually working in and through the thing that's in your way to make your very way. That it's, you can look at what's behind you as the stumbling block and you can regret or the thing that's in front of you as the stumbling block what's in front of you or you can let God work through that and in that and through you and that's your stepping stone that's what God is working in and through to make a way for you remember what pastor RJ said there is no shortcut to what God is doing in preparation for your life for what he's already prepared for you it's there ahead of you but we worry behind we regret instead of taking those stepping stones and building a memorial to the Lord and remembering about what he's done. That way we posture ourselves in a place of anticipation, expectation, and faith. So when we're facing a decision and we need to make a decision and we're praying 
and we're acknowledging God. And we know that he said, I have a good plan and a future for my life. And he says, I ordain the footsteps of the righteous and that he will go before us. So when you're acknowledging him and you have to make decisions, you make decisions from faith, knowing that God is leading my every step. God is guiding me. I've acknowledged him. He made a way for me and he's going to make a way. You know, I'm, I'm a mom of four girls and I think some, you know, it's in us, you know, Which as moms. A dad of four You're girls. You're a dad of four, yes. <laughs> and I can look back. I've had to really work at this. I can look back, you know, as a mom, when I first had Isabel, our oldest, she just recently turned 16, whole new level of, and, you know, when we first had her, it was like, Everything's got to be clean and sanitized and the floor and everything and all of that. And you, you have to, every, you got to make everything right. And you, you are worried about all of these things. And by the time you had, you know, your second, your third, your fourth is, you know, oh, they're eating dirt. Oh, it's okay. Vitamins. It's good for them. No problem. You know, like you learn along the way. You don't stress so much. You know, they lived, we drank, we, you know, we drank out of water hoses and everything. When we were kids, we survived. We made it. We need to trust God, that he is the one who has them. And yes, we pray, we believe, and we have to, like Pastor RJ said, we sometimes have to sit back and wring our fingers because we have to watch them do something and make a choice. When we've already, you know, tried to share with them our past experience because we've already been there. And we do, we wish they would learn from what we have already experienced, but they have to go and do it themselves. So then we have to go and practice what we preach to them and go and take that to God. And Lord, they belong to you. Either I trust you and I leave them in your hands or I go and try to control their life and manipulate everything and try to keep them in or with God, at age-appropriate times, we give them space to make the decisions they need to make, to make the choices they need to make, helping them set good boundaries. We have to do the same thing in our lives. So today, as we receive communion, stand up with would us. you please stand with us today? And if you didn't if have you a chance a communion to grab element, one, the elements will get you The ushers have one for you. Just raise your hand. You know, as we're looking ahead, this is the year 2020. And how many know and have heard the saying, hindsight is 2020? Sometimes, though, when you look back and you, you know, you find yourself at a place in life and you're like, how did I get here? What happened? And 2020 isn't looking very clear right now. And maybe you're in a place of confusion. And you don't know or can't see the next step what's ahead I want to encourage you today to believe reach out release what you don't understand and what you can't control we have to release that into the Lord's hands but we have to reach forward for the good future that he has for our lives because he has a good future for our lives.
and we have to trust Him and believe He is the way maker. Making the way with the very thing that's in your way. Church, only God can do those things. God, the promise keeper. Maybe you've been sitting on a promise for so long, believing and hoping and trusting and asking and crying out to God for this promise. And it hasn't happened yet. And you're like, God, why? Trust him. If there's any moment where you're thinking, oh, this is getting so hard, it's so hard, and you're going to give up. It's always darkest before the dawn. It's always darkest because the enemy is hitting you with everything he's got at the very end to get you to give up. He's coming at you with everything to get you to give up. And suddenly, God, is the promise keeper. The light in the darkness when you can't see. He's the light. He's the lamp unto your feet. The light to your path. When you don't know what to do, when you can't see ahead of you, he's the lamp for the next footstep. All you need to do is take the next step. And as you take the next step, the lamp is lit for the next step. And you keep taking each step. And when you don't know what to do, you just take the next step. You do the next right thing that God has told you to do for today. Believe in what we profess here as a body, as a church. It's an invitation for you, church to come in to the presence of God, to come into the place that he's prepared for you. Raise a hallelujah in the presence of your enemies. In the midst of fear, in the midst of torment, when it's so hard. Hallelujah, Lord. Let that be the cry out of your heart, Jesus, because it's the name above every name. It's the name that breaks chains and shatters every bondage and every stronghold. It's the name that's most powerful over anything in this universe. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord. We declare today in unity that you are the way maker. You are the promise keeper. You are the light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. I choose, we choose as a body to believe that this morning. And we thank you, Lord that it was your broken body that made a way for us to have relationship with you. It was your broken body that made a way for us to have healing. It was your broken body, Lord, that made a way 
for us to be set free. Not set free to live the life that we wanna live, Lord, but set free to live a life that you've called us to live, that you've purposed to live, that you've ordained, that you've set forth for us. You've set us free to you to live, to do, to live and breathe and have our being in you, God. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, God, that through your brokenness, we receive wholeness today. Spirit, mind, body, soul, in Jesus' name, we receive. Fathers, we have the cup. We remember the covenant that you made with us. You promised us you'd always be with us. You'd never leave us or forsake us. Today, we lay down our faith in the wrong direction, and we take up faith in you, and we believe that your word is true. We believe that you set us free. We believe our sins are forgiven, and we thank you that we have eternal life. This day, Lord, I speak healing, freedom, and deliverance from bondage over each person here today in the name of Jesus.